In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in our gospel, after answering his disciples' question about how to pray, Jesus moves on to address an even more fundamental question. And so the question that Jesus addresses is, will God answer my prayers? How can we be confident that God will answer our prayers? Indeed, it doesn't really matter if we know the mechanics of how to pray, if we have no confidence or no faith that our prayers are actually heard and answered. And so in verses 5 through 8 in our reading, Jesus tells a parable in an attempt to give his disciples the confidence to pray with the assurance knowing that God answers their prayers. In verse 5, it begins, our, trend, our translation begins it, as suppose one of you has a friend. Well, the King James here is a little more faithful to the Greek, which says, which of you shall have a friend? So the parable begins with this question format because it's implying a negative answer. Which of you shall have a friend like this? Well, the implied answer in the parable is that no one has a friend like this. And we see why in the scenario. An unexpected guest, literally the Greek, the Greek says, a friend who has arrived from the way has shown up, shown up at your door in the middle of the night. And so in the ancient Near East, you were expected to feed the guest and provide a safe place for him to lodge. And if you didn't do these things, you were bringing shame upon yourself. So every guest was to be welcomed no matter what time of day it was or what the scenario is. And in this scenario that Jesus is telling, the guest arrives, but you were not prepared for a guest, and so you had no extra food. So you walk over to your friend's house, and in New Testament times, friend is not a word that you use lightly. Your friend was someone very close to you, someone who would do anything for you. So you knock on your friend's door, and they say, nope, sorry, I'm already tucked in for the night, I can't help you, go away. Well, of course your true friend would never do that to you. And if your friend did that to you, well, they wouldn't be your friend, but they would be shamed themselves. They would be understood to be selfish. They would be a scoundrel. And so Jesus ends that parable in verse 8. And our translation again says, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Again, the Greek word that our translation renders as persistence doesn't mean persistence at all. It means shamelessness or lacking decency. It's always used in Greek literature in a negative sense. And so what verse 8 is actually saying is that the sleeping friend will get up and get the bread for you because otherwise he would lack basic decency. He would be shameless if he didn't get up. It would be shameful to leave your friend out in the cold like that. So even if it's an inconvenience, the sleeping friend will get up and he will help you and he will avoid being shameful. In this case, Jesus is saying, look, even a friend will help you out so as not to be shamed. How much more will God help you out? God is not inconvenienced by your request. God doesn't go to sleep. God isn't limited in resources. So, of course, God is going to answer your prayers. And more negatively, if God does not answer your prayers, his reputation is at stake. 
a good and gracious God is not going to put his reputation on the line. No, he's going to hear your prayers, and he's going to answer them. We see this illustrated for us in our Old Testament reading from Genesis 18. God continually agrees to Abraham's request not to destroy Sodom if righteous men are found there. What is Abraham doing but appealing to God's character? He is saying, Lord, if you are righteous and merciful, then surely you will show mercy on the good men that are there. And the Lord answers his petition. The Lord wants to answer Abraham's prayer. He hears our request, and he does answer them. I don't know if this is a genuine quote from Martin Luther or not, but I have seen it accredited to him, and it says, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. This is precisely what Abraham was doing. He was not trying to convince a reluctant God to show mercy. Rather, he was holding on to God's mercy and what he was asking. That's Jesus' point to us as well. When we pray, we're not praying to a God who is inconvenienced by our prayers. Instead, we're praying to the one who wants us to ask him for all things. This is why Jesus teaches his disciples to begin their prayers with Father. Prayer is not a list of abstractions we ask a faraway deity to maybe give us. Right? We don't cry out our prayers to the sky hoping that someone out there will hear them. No, Jesus tells us that prayer is asking our Father for the good gifts that he has for us. In verse 11, Jesus says, Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? The answer, just like the previous parable, is, Of course not. No one would ever do that. We give what we can to our children for their benefit. Even when we're limited to what we can give, we don't actively give things to them that will hurt them. Jesus then says, how much truer is that for God? Right? Even us as parents who are sinful, even us as parents who make mistakes, can give good things to our children. How much more can God give to us? We who are evil know how to take care of our children. So how much more will God give to us? In this, Jesus also answers a common doubt that we all have about prayer. Jesus has just told us that God will surely answer our prayers. If we ask, we will receive. But naturally, the question then follows, then why doesn't God always give me what I want? Sometimes we have to realize that we are like children who ask for snakes and scorpions rather than fish and eggs. In our limited understanding, in our sinful nature, sometimes we ask for things that will harm us and we do not know it. So God will answer our prayers and give us that good thing that we need instead of always asking, instead of always giving us literally what we have asked. And that's not always easy for us. Sometimes God does not answer prayers for quick and easy healing because he knows it's better for us to go through some experience of being ill or having some experience of grief. God does not always answer our prayers to make some inconvenience, some hardship pass, because he knows that there is something better for us on the other side of it. We can trust that God looks past the verbatim nature of our request 
and gets to the heart of what is good for us. Every single prayer is answered by God, but it's answered first and foremost through his goodness, through his generosity, not through our inadequate understanding. Jesus ends his teaching on prayer by telling the disciples, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The one thing that we should be absolutely certain of is that the one thing God will never withhold from those who ask is himself. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit, the one who gives us new life, the one who gives us understanding of God's word and promise, the one who sets us apart and makes us holy. God will not withhold himself from us. And if God will not withhold himself from us, then we're encouraged to pray with boldness and confidence because God's going to share with us the very source of all goodness, that is himself. What we find when we put ourselves into God's hands is that prayer is not just about asking for things. If we know God, then we know that God will provide for us. He knows our every need. Prayer then moves from being about asking for things to about trusting in who God is. And in the end, this is what Jesus is telling us about prayer. Do we trust ourselves to our Father in heaven? Do we trust that he will share with us every good gift? Do we trust his voice of love and mercy and speaking to our hearts in this moment that he tells us he will take care of us? Jesus is telling us that learning to pray is nothing short of learning to call God our Father. Luther says there's no Christian who does not have time to pray without ceasing. But I mean spiritual praying. That is, no one is so heavily burdened with his labor, but that if he will, he can, while working, speak with God in his heart. That he'll pray at all times. He will lay before him in, the, in his need, asking for help, making petition, and strengthening his faith. Why does Luther remind us that none of us are too busy to pray without ceasing? Because all of us, in every moment of every day, we have the need to lift our hearts to our Father. There's never a moment where we don't need to put our hearts into his trusting hands. Because that is what prayer is all about. It's about asking and receiving God himself. And not just a faraway God, not just an indifferent God, but a God who is our Father. Amen.